As we approach Memorial Day, the unofficial one-third mark of the season, which teams that are really good are for real? Which ones are flukes? Well, it's no fluke that you're going to be listening to this episode of Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, why would my lower third say Sully? I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for over a decade, and I've now been part of the Locked On Podcast Network for the last five seasons. At least once a week, I am joined by this fellow right over here, Sign in, please. I am Miller Thomas, host of the wonderful Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Go check it out wherever you stream your podcast, Spotify, Apple, on all your streaming platforms. Please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube. And if you want to follow me on social media, hey, creator Thomas24 for my personal account, or just go in that little search bar and type in Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram. All righty, cool. Well, today we're going to be talking about some of the teams that are off to hot starts that maybe flukes or mm-hmm. maybe for real. You know, we saw a couple of years ago, we all remembered those great Kansas City Royals of 2021, right? They got off to a fantastic start and then Bablooey. Last year, the Minnesota Twins. And at this point, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim were shooting out to first place. They were thinking, oh my God, Madden finally solved the Rubik's Cube. We're going to have an Otani Trout fall, right? And guess what? Madden didn't even make it to July. Mm. So every year there are teams that surprise and manage to stumble their way into the postseason. And every year there's a team that gets off to a terrific start. And then we realize that 162 games is indeed a marathon. And they fall very, very short of the finish line. Miller Thomas, um, strange. I mean, look at. I'll just. We're. we're I'm almost going to lead off with mm. uh, the opposite. As we see some teams like the Padres got off to a horrible start. They 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 salvaged the final game of the seat of the series against Boston mm-hmm. over the weekend. But you know there are some of the teams that had truly disappointing starts. But we're starting to see again that baseball has baseball has teams that the the cream tends to rise 162 okay. games is a fabulous filter and remember it wasn't that long ago that the houston astros were stumbling and bumbling and around 500 and and looking up at the angels and looking up at the rangers well the astros just won seven games in a row nine out of their last 10 i've said this on the podcast many times it's never the wrong time to win seven games in a row and the astros have dusted themselves off and despite everything that went wrong the first couple of months, as I record this, they're only two games out of first place behind Texas. And it's gonna and I think we should start off with Texas. Um, the Rangers oh. are in first place. Yep. The Astros are hot on their heels. Uh, Rangers Twitter hates me because I didn't think they were gonna be that good this year. 
mm-hmm. even though they have Bruce Bochy and they signed DeGrom and Ivaldi. They're going to hate me some more, even though the, the Rangers are currently on a three-game winning streak. I, I don't see them winning the division. I don't think they have the horses to win the division. They may wind up finishing a few games above 500, but they're currently playing 630 ball. And while they have won some of their last 10 games, including their last three, I think that of all the current leaders of the division in the American League, the Rangers have the creakiest hold of that position. You know, that's probably accurate, just looking at all these division winners. But I think I still, I mean, the Houston Astros, I mean, with what they've done the last few years, I mean, it's pretty easy to think that they're going to come back, win that division. I mean, they're still loaded with talent with the Jordan Alvarez's of the world, and of course, their rotation. They just got the heartbeat of that soul back, Jose Altuve as well. So it's no surprise that this team is starting to go on a run, and they probably will win that division. But for at least the Texas Rangers, even if they don't win the division, I still think they're going to be one of the top wild card teams going into the playoffs because this Rangers team has been really good offensively so far this season with the Dallas Garcia's of the world um being really good the Marcus Simeons are having nice seasons as well and even the guys like rookies like Josh Jung with his eight plus home runs this year have been really fantastic and you just look at that rotation like we talk about just having major league talent a lot on these podcasts. Do you have major leaguers at certain positions? And you look at that rotation. It might not be star-studded. Of course, Jacob deGrom, if he's healthy, he is the face of that rotation. But even without him, Avaldi, Gray, Perez, and Andrew Heaney, like you got at least above average major leaguers, one through four with that deGrom out, plus the offense. Like this Rangers team, I just think is well-constructed, well well balance well-rounded and maybe they got to make a couple additions in the bullpen but overall i think this is going to be one of the better teams in the american league i don't think they're going to take the al west but could i see them as a number one or number two wild card seed i definitely could see that for texas rangers fans all right well that's interesting mm. um uh, you know you're right and and i do think having a major leaguer at a bunch of positions uh is is critical and i'm always a big fan of that Obviously, you got to give young kids a shot, but if you can just have even a, a, a an option of a major leaguer at a spot, I think it's solid. I think what we've seen with Nathan Nivaldi so far, he's had some wonderful starts with the Rangers, and of course, the native New Englander following the Red Sox my whole life. Uh, you know, you, you just wonder why can't the Red Sox get players like Nathan Nivaldi? Um, I, I think it may come down to a numbers game because Tampa is playing out of its mind. Um, and even though they've, you know, they've, they've chilled to, you know, five and five, they, they played very well against a very good Milwaukee team over the weekend. Um, we're going to see how they do. Um, who, who are they playing? Um, uh, they're going to be playing Toronto, which mm-hmm. is going to be interesting. Um, I, 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 I think there comes a numbers game, you know, because you have to have, you know, I think the Astros are going to pass the Rangers. That's fair. They, they're they're cool. almost there. I mean, they could have. I mean, Memorial Day is in a week, and Memorial Day is. I, I, we're gonna have a big special on Memorial Day because that's checkpoint one. That's really to me when the summer begins. A third of the season has gone by, and you've had a big enough sample size to say, okay, all right, we may be good this year, or hmm, we may need to fix some things. Um, the, you know, it's really the first time I think you can really start looking at the standings and it's that period between Memorial day and the trade deadline, which is the end of July, beginning of August, that third of the season 
is when you have to pop the hood and make the the changes and improve the, your squad. Um, the Astros may pass the Rangers before we hit that, and I, I, I'm just going. I think the Astros going to win the West. Yeah, obviously a team has to win the Central, even though right now the last place team in the AL East would be tied for first in the AL Central. A team is going to win the Central. The Twins are currently in first place in the Central. Um, another team could go on a big winning streak. Watch the White Sox win eventually. And obviously you have the East, and right now it looks like, you know, the the, the Rays are 20 games above 500. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles are hot on their tail. So assuming one of the team, and probably the Yankees, are going to be getting one of the spots. So that leaves really only one spot to be fighting for. So it's like, do I think the Rangers are going to finish ahead of the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Angels? Do I think it, all these teams are going to finish ahead of? Maybe, but I also think that they there, there's it'll be a numbers crunch. And I, 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 I have a feeling that when the, when the music stops, it'll be a very cruel game of musical chairs for the Texas Rangers. Yeah, because if you're a non-American League East team, you could at least say, okay, that division's great, but over the last few years, because you played each other so many times, you could at least bet on the carnage of one of those teams taking out another AL East team. But because of the schedule so spread out now, you can't really rely on the Yankees playing the Red Sox 18 times this year. So hopefully the Yankees just dominate that series, and then you take one of the wild card spots from an AL East team. If you're a non-AL East American League team, you kind of have to win your division to guarantee a spot in the playoffs because you can't bet on the wild card. That AL East is too deep. Like the Blue Jays are the number five seed in that division, and they're loaded with talent. And that, that's my point. That's exactly my point. That, that- that and by the way, if this year is not a walking testimony for why we have to eliminate divisions, like why does a team like let's say it's Minnesota and I did pick Minnesota to win the division, but mm-hmm. why does would Minnesota, if they wind up like with 87, 88 wins, and that may win the division by six or seven games, and they can just crew, they could just waltz into the postseason while a bunch of teams that are been winning in the nineties are going to be, you know, strangling each other, trying to get a spot. I mean, at this point, especially before there was a rationale that when you play the division, the interdivision matchups were going to sort of balance things out. But now if you're playing, if, if you are, let's say, Texas, and you're going to be playing the White Sox as often as you're going to be playing the Mariners – then what the hell? What's the point of division play? You wouldn't you just be better off saying, okay, let's take like how many teams? It'll be it'll be six teams altogether. Mm-hmm. So you have you know number one seed right using right now number one seed would be Tampa. Number two seed would be uh, Baltimore, Texas, New York, Houston, and no uh, uh, Houston, and then Boston. Those would be your six playoff teams. Tough luck, Minnesota. You don't make it. Yeah. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. Sorry, I found my inner Willy Wonka right there. But yeah. that's but that is, you know, geography should not be a a key hindrance of putting a team into the postseason or not. 
Yeah, you want it more like the NBA is what it sounds like. The NBA has divisions, but the divisions don't literally do anything but just tell you like geographically where those teams right. are. They just do it straight by seeding with those two conferences. And that's probably the best way to do it because you the playoffs are better when you have the best teams in the postseason. And like an idea of an AL East team being 92 wins and missing out as opposed to whoever wins the Central at 88 wins, like it really shouldn't be fair. Now, maybe that team with 88 wins ends up winning the World Series like we've seen the last few years with these wildcard teams just dominating over these 100-plus win teams. But in the, I think the spirit of what you do after 162 games, the spirit of the game, I think you do want – the six best teams in the postseason because to play 162 games, win 90 plus, and still lose a wild card spot to a division winner who might have less wins than you, I just think that's so demoralizing as a franchise and as a fan base. And it's just, it's so rare when you see oh, wow. a team that just doesn't deserve to be in it get in it. But when it happens, it feels awful. Does that remind you of any sponsor we may have? Yeah, actually, Sully Baseball, now that you mention it, we actually have a new sponsor for this podcast. And funny enough, they're also called So Rare. Let me bring up, whoa, let me bring up there my is. little YouTube overlay because our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams, unlike other fancy blaze. Unlike other fancy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competition and rewards. MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three- to four-day cycle. At the end of game weeks, so rare are MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition, so head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards. Set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. So rare. Start mm. playing today. Okay. Um, we spent a bunch of time on the Rangers. Let's take a couple other ones right now because you take a look at the division leaders right now in the American League. I mean, as I said, Tampa, I think, is building up enough credit that even if they have a slump, they'll be only, what, 10 games over 500 instead of 20. Mm-hmm. And I, I like Minnesota. I picked them to win the Central. I think they're going to win the Central. Cleveland, obviously, is the pitching. Um, a team that has been making a run at Tampa Bay, however, has been the Baltimore Orioles. And mm-hmm. the Orioles just had a brutal sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays. One that, if you listen to the episode I dropped on Sunday where I called for the head of John Schneider, uh, I just don't think he's in, should be in charge of the Blue Jays anymore. But the Orioles, for all the great start that Tampa Bay has had, are only two games of the loss column behind Tampa Bay. There are they are what eighteen games over five hundred or something crazy like that. So, are the Orioles really that good? I don't know. The Orioles are like 
I just look up the standings. I'm like, how are the Orioles 30 and 16? Like, they've won the best records in Major League Baseball, and this is a team that's incredibly long. I mean, Adley Rushman, who I don't know if he's still rookie eligible, but he's having a fantastic season. Gunnar Henderson has been a little bit of a struggle, but you look up and down their lineup, like Cedric Mullins is back to looking like an all-star. Santander has been phenomenal for them. Ryan O'Hearn, like, they've gotten a lot of contribution out their lineup. You want a little bit more out their rotation if you had to pick a weakness as to why this team might not go super Super far, why you think this team might reg- might regress? You have to look at that rotation. I mean, when Kyle Gibson is like your frontline starter, um, Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer, like I don't really know if those guys are really living up to the expectations of this. What this team can do once you get to the postseason, Grayson Rodriguez, rookie struggling a little bit. I mean, he's still super young. The bullpen's very good, but this Baltimore Orioles team, like, hopefully, if we get to the deadline. It's not a situation where it was like last year where they actually ended up trading away pieces and being sellers. Like this team is so good right now. They have so much young talent. Like go out there and add a real piece of this rotation and go see what's out there on the market. I don't know who's available, but the Miami Marlins, we know they're loaded with rotation members. They got a couple young starters. Maybe go after one of those. Maybe the Brewers, if they struggle by the deadline, we know Corbin Burns or the Freddie Peraltas are potentially available. So if I'm the Orioles, I'm sniffing around that rotation market and trying to upgrade this team because we've seen the last couple years just being a wildcard team and getting into the dance is enough to maybe make a run at the World Series. So I think whenever you have a window with a team that's playing as good at this, you shouldn't waste years. You never know when the window is going to close. You never know when you're going to have another opportunity to get back to the World Series or at least make a World Series. So I would never want to waste a run. I'm always going to play with a sense of urgency if I'm the front office. I think the Orioles should try to go Maybe not, I don't want to say all in, but really try to attack this season and see what you could do once you make the playoffs. Oh, I think, I mean, look, I think they've been getting contributions now from players that uh, that will eventually come down to earth. Uh, I, I think that this is a team, and, and I really was down on this team going into this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really on them for not being aggressive in the offseason. I wanted them to build upon the goodwill of getting their heads above 500. There was still a bitter taste in people's mouth that they were sellers at the trade deadline. Um, but one of the pieces that they picked up in the trade deadline last year was Yenner Cano. Yeah. And um, let me just sort of uh, going into Sunday's game, he had thrown 23 and two thirds innings. One run. Yep. Zero walks. Mm-hmm. Not even an intentional walk. No. A 26 to 0 strikeout to walk ratio. 26 strikeouts in 23 and two thirds innings. I mean, that is a, that is, I mean, that's un, that's unheard of. And mm-hmm. between Cano and Bautista, they are winning because of their bullpen. Yeah. Now, the team that, that, and I, and, you know, I had Connor Newcomond from Lockdown Orioles uh, a week or so ago, and I made a lot of comparisons between this Baltimore team and the Eric Cosmer, Mike Moustakas, Kansas City teams yep. of the mid-2010s. Um, they had a winning season after a bunch of losing ones in 2013. They won the pen in 2014. Obviously, they won the World Series the next year. And they won with speed and an ironclad bullpen. And if there, no matter what the lead was, you put in that bullpen in uh, 2015, the game was over. 
And their speed had everyone on their heels. So people made tons of mental mistakes and errors because they were the outlier. They were the team that was taking going first to third on a single. It wasn't just stolen bases. It's Eric Hosmer uh, darting home on that ground ball to tie game five of the World Series on an infield hit. Um, it was, it, you know, that, that that seems to be the model for the Orioles. It's such a brutal division that I, even a slight regression to the mean is going to is going to clobber them, which is why I'm nervous for the Orioles and why if I were Baltimore, I would, the team I'd be staring at right now are the Chicago White Sox for this reason. Okay. The White Sox have, if the White Sox flop, they have players like Dylan Cease and a couple of the players in there, like, you know, a couple of decent pitchers, a couple of decent hitters. They could be a carcass that can be picked because you get the sense that they're going to want to try to get something for them as they rebuild this team. I, I look at Dylan Cease with and put him in a Baltimore uniform. I, I would be jumping up and down if I were an Orioles fan because they need – not that Dylan Cease is the second coming of Greg Maddox – but they need that solid professional starting pitcher in that in that rotation that could provide some relief to the bullpen. The most skeptical, the most cynical, you know, skeptical is the correct word. Why I'm skeptical of the Orioles is they're relying so much on their bullpen, which is playing so much better than people thought they were going to. Bullpens eventually come back to normal unless you have that weird kind of out of the blue season like Koji Uehara had in 2013 or like Brad Lidge had in 2008. And if they start, if the Canoes and the Bautistas start to come regress to the mean, then this could wind up being an 85-86 win team. But that's not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. So right now they're on pace to win, what, 98, 99 games, something ridiculous like that? They're going to, I think this is a team, because they're playing better than the sum of their parts, I think they need to add to this team. They need a starting pitcher. They need I, – I think they need another all-round hitter in this team and probably need another arm in the bullpen to give some relief to the relievers or get two innings-eating pitchers who are going to give you six, seven innings a start so you don't blow out that bullpen. So I, I'm, I'm skeptical of the Orioles playing at this pace unless they get reinforcements. Yeah, I would love for them to go after a guy like Dylan Cease because someone like Cease fits right along that timeline. He's 27 years old. He's entering arbitration in the year 2024, so he's going to be cost-controlled for a couple more years. And like I said, you look at that rotation. I mean, the Cole Irvins, the the Cal Gibsons, like you don't want those guys to be your frontline starters. You're going to have a regression to the mean if you're never able to have a guy out there every fifth day that you feel comfortable with shutting down the door. And you need someone like that once you get to the postseason because if you don't have – a guy like Dylan Cease, then you need someone to at least match up against the Garrett Coles of the world entering the postseason. You need that workhorse kind of guy. And and who did the Royals acquire down the stretch in 2000? James Shields. Big James game Shields. Game. And the next year they acquired Johnny Cueto. Now, Cueto didn't have a great regular season, but to, to as of this recording, he remains the last pitcher to throw a complete game in the World Series. And he also pitched a great game where he pitched deep in the game, in the game that they clinched the division series against Houston. So while he was not the superstar Cy Young caliber stud in the regular season when they acquired him, he came up big in the postseason um, and gave that team. Because remember, he threw that complete game in the World Series, 
game one went 12, 13 innings. That was the one that ended with the, the sack fly in, the, in extra innings. And then Guido comes in and went nine. So the bullpen had two days off by the time they went back to New York in that World Series. That's the sort of thing that the that the uh, Orioles are going to have to do if they want to get their ticket to go to the postseason. And guess what? If that if they can't get in the normal way, which is a, earning a spot in the postseason, then they're going to have to buy their tickets like everyone else. And I recommend going to game time. Game time. That's where you buy your tickets for your favorite events. And that used to be really stressful. The stress is gone. Whether you're planning a long-term trip to the ballpark, like I'm going to the final game, which I assume is going to be the final game in the Oakland Coliseum. I'll be there on September 24th. But guess what? We also went to the ball game on Mother's Day at Dodger Stadium. That was last. That was a last-minute decision. Whether it's long-term, fast, game times, fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever you want to do. You get killer deals with last-minute tickets like I had for the Dodgers-Padres game. And you get the best price guarantee. So stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have. I had a great time. And guess what? We got to see where the ticket was. You get to use the app, and you can find the tickets, buy the tickets, and you get the image from the seat view. And I have a specific area I like to sit at Dodger Stadium. I like to be on the... Not the top deck, but the second deck uh, and in between home plate and first base. I love that vantage point because it's a good view of the stadium and a beautiful view of the hills beyond the Dodger Stadium. And you can see from the app, click, 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 pop, 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 great view. Boom. Lowest price guaranteed. And if we need to cancel, you can get cancel protection, get all sorts of ways in case, you know, things happen. So forget about the worries. The game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find your tickets in the same section and row for less, boom, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You know, they say you can't give more than 100%. Game time gives you 110. Now, you can buy tickets in just a matter of seconds. Two taps, ba-boom, and they were sent right to my phone. They have to print anything out. Went to Dodger Stadium. Boom, sat down, and it's time for Dodger baseball. So, snag – by the way, these aren't exclusive for Dodger games. I want to make sure that's perfectly clear. Any event you want, it's there. Snag the tickets you want without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Guess what? I already did that. 20 clams off my Dodger tickets. Terms apply – Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, surprise, Millard and I went a little bit long. We tend to do that. But we're going to play the last segment where we talk about the two National League teams whose great starts. One, I think, is a fluke. And the other, I think, is for real. So stay tuned. We're going to finish this conversation in tomorrow's show. Uh, we're going to wrap up today with two quick things. First, I'm going to talk about who owned baseball on the 21st day of May. Hey, we got a complete game shutout from Fran Bravaldez. That's pretty cool. 
I mean, he shut out the A's, but still a major league complete game shutout. Cedric Mullins got five hits. The Orioles won a wild game against the Toronto Blue Jays. Riley Adams went four for four with a homer as the Nats topped Detroit six to four. And uh, for, speaking of Detroit pitchers, or at least former Detroit pitchers, Verlander threw eight shutout innings, and the Mets finished that wild sweep of Cleveland in a two-to-one victory. Kevin the half wobs. Kevin Gosman threw eight innings, holding the Orioles to two runs. Toronto won that game eight to three. Uh, Josh Lowe. Is it Josh Lowe or Josh Lowe? I keep forgetting. He had a three-hit game, but the Rays lost to the Brewers. Jorge Soler homered and added two more hits in Miami, 7-5 loss to the Giants, and Justin Steele pitched six shot-out innings in the Cubs' loss to the Phillies. Okay, Jorge Soler is going to be part of the second thing I'm doing here. I'm going to add a new wrinkle to the show. I'm going to have a trivia question for the day. And I'm going to give a trivia question at the end of the show. And for any of you listening, send the answer via Twitter at Sully Baseball. And I will read the next day the first person to post the correct answer to the trivia question. So that way, you know, you can listen to what the question is going to be. And you're going to see who gets the shout out at the beginning of the show. So this is a new segment. End of the show trivia. I'm going to make banners and everything for that. And my end of the show trivia has something to do with Jorge Soler, which is how many World Series MVPs, and Jorge Soler was a World Series MVP in 2021. In fact, I think Framber Valdez should have been the World Series MVP last year, but they gave it to Jeremy Pena. How many World Series MVPs are still currently now with the team that they won that MVP for? I gave away one of them. Jeremy Pena won the MVP of the World Series last year. He's still on the Houston Astros. How many other MVPs of the World Series are currently members and currently players on the team that they won their World Series MVP for. So there's the question. How many World Series MVPs are currently on the same team they won the award for? So send me that answer to Sully Baseball on Twitter, my personal handle, and the first person who gets it right We'll get a shout out here on the show. Very valuable. Very valuable. So follow us on Lockdown and MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. Uh, send me the answers at my handle, which is Sully Baseball on Twitter. Also, you could on Sully Baseball on Instagram. First one gets a shout out. And you can follow us on YouTube and please subscribe. Throwing out a little bit of trivia and talking with Miller Thomas about surprise teams. This has been Locked On MLB for the 22nd day of May 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.